life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. There was a time when you and I said we ought to start a podcast because we were talking every day. There was a time. That was 250 podcasts ago as of right now. I can't believe that. 250 podcasts. That is a lot of you and I talking. We have officially (laughs) passed the 10-day barrier of sheer talk time if you listened from the beginning. If you've been with us from the beginning, thank you. (laughs) 10 straight days of us talking. More than 10 now. We've surpassed 10 now, which is nuts. It's how do you eat an elephant, right? Yes. Well, that's, but that's when we did our, our latest our latest meetup there at around Laguna, there were many of you that met us there and made the comment where you said, "Once you found the podcast, you started listening to the current ones and jumping backwards to catch up on all <laughs> yeah, of them." Right. Ten days of you and me just talking straight. Right. My wife couldn't cool. do that. By the way, she would be <laughs> well, like, no. "You know what? I'm I'm full. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> My brain's full." Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so we have tons of stuff to cover because the at the fifty increments. If you don't know this already about the show, at the fifty increments, we do all questions podcasts. Mm-hmm. The hundred marks are all non car questions. The one fifty marks are all car questions. This is two fifty, which means. All car questions are all we're going to talk about tonight with two exceptions. Yes, we'll get to those right now. We need to do Aston Martin Vantage because it just got dropped the day we're recording this. By the way, happy day after Thanksgiving for the day you're listening to this. Right, exactly. The other bit of news is a little bit of merchandising update. A couple of things going on on the merchandising front. First off, our friends at Blipshift, they sell such cool shirts. Oh, yeah. Our friends at Blipshift, they sell all kinds of awesome shirts. If you've never gone to Blipshift.com, their shirts are really great. This is not, a, not an ad. They're not supporting us. We're just partnering with them on one of our shirts. They reached out to us. What we've decided to do, this is a little weird, but what we've decided to do is the stuff that is more us branded for us, like the Everyday Driver logos and those kind of things, that will be on our Teespring site. Right, right. But the stuff that is a little more general, just like general car enthusiast fun shirts – are going to be on Blipshift. Blipshift.com slash Everyday Driver. You will see our first one. It is live now on Black Friday. Fantastic. It is the Daily Triple shirt, and I'm very excited, and I may buy one for every member of my family. <laughs> Even though I'm the only one that worries about the Daily Triple. <laughs> we pulled us out of their stocking. They, they, they may like, all need one. Huh? So, so all of our kind of more general enthusiast shirts will be on Blipshift. Our more branded stuff will be with us. Also, we're working on getting the Icon shirt printed. The the short story of that is nobody really wants to print that. Right. So we're going to print it ourselves, it and you guys can get them that way. We're going to work on that maybe even before Christmas would be novel because that would be a great Christmas gift for your BMW friends. So there's some show business on merchandising, and I say it because I'm excited, one, about being part of Blipshift, and two, about having a daily triple shirt. <laughs> it is cool. And these will be the shirts that you and I talk about and come up with randomly on the yes. podcast, Yes. which we need to have something to just write these down. Oh, we I have a list. Just take notes. I have a list. Going. Have you been taking notes oh, as yes. we talk? Yes, yes. Excellent. I have a list going. So, okay, so slowly go we will crank those shirts out through our friends at Blipshift. So Blipshift, Blipshift.com is the website slash Everyday Driver. You can find it there. Yes. All right. So moving on to the new 2019 Aston Martin Vantage, which just got dropped today. The day that we're recording this, as Todd mentioned, it's out in the uh, the nuclear green here, mm-hmm. lime green. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this car. Of course, every automotive outlet is talking about this and, and carrying coverage about this car. The Lots of on-track photos here. Photos are everywhere. Scrolling once, yeah. down through this. 
So the biggest thing about this car is, as you know, AMG sourced engines. So no mm -hmm. longer is Aston yeah, cool. providing the engine in this car, at least. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. is from Mercedes, from AMG. And they have dropped the 503 horsepower V8 into this car. And we've got questions already, which we'll get to, but I would like to address those up front about the car. And is this essentially a, an AMG GTS in Aston Martin clothing? Is that mm -hmm. the case with this car? Yeah. The answer is no. This is a bespoke car, and that is actually what you want in keeping with the theme of the car. The, this is only powered by Mercedes, so the, the AMG engine, as I said. But otherwise, this car is absolutely progressive and excellent, with an exception. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for your full thoughts here I'm, because I'm I have liking thoughts this as well. Car. So though, overall, though you have better th thoughts than me. Well, probably better thought out thoughts than me. I have I have cracks to make because I love the <laughs> okay. Vantage that we're leaving. I love it. It's one of my all-time favorite good, designs. But yeah. it is a little tired. It's been it out is. For it's a old. Long, it's been out for a very time. long time. Yes. So here we are, presented with the new Vantage. I'm loving the car. I'm loving the overall shape. First okay. of all, we've got to start okay. with the proportions because mm -hmm. it's got to be immediately recognizable as an Aston. Which I think they nailed. Now, Corey, he went with us on the trip. He was asking us a little bit about this car. And uh, Corey, thank you for writing in. You could see him on the pilgrimage video online as well. Mm -hmm. He was one of the drivers uh, on, uh, on the trip. And so he's asking about the car here. Looking at the overall proportions, very Aston, and in comparison to the DB11, I yeah. think it's less fussy than the DB11. I agree with that. I agree with that. I like elements of the DB11, but this starts out as a cohesive design, mm -hmm. and then you get mm -hmm. into the details. So it reads like a good painting. Okay. First is, you know, from afar is the overall read. Then, you know, midfield is sort of, okay, now we've got details, and then it makes you want to look up close at the very okay. things that really intrigue you. All so right. The body side of the car, the shoulder. Very nice. So you could say, all right, how do you keep the Aston taillights going or the Aston front mouth, this front, you know, cue that they've got going? Uh-huh. They have done a good job, with the exception of the very fine chicken wire on the inside of the mouth of this car. It looks very unfinished to my eye. Yeah. Unless they change I, some things mm -hmm. about this. I like what they've done with that shape, but really? I don't like what's inside it. I, I see your comment about what's inside it. I have to be honest. The front is the place I'm struggling with this car the most. And I'm struggling with it because I feel like it looks like one of those bottom feeder fish where their mouths open mm. down yeah, that's not to get whatever. It, it looks like one of those bottom feeder fish. I don't think fish. Aston would like to hear that. They probably wouldn't. But to me, I, they, the way they've opened up that grill straight downward... I, I that's all I can't unsee that. It just mm -hmm. looks like a bottom feeder fish to me. It, it needs some elements in there that tie it off rather than just tacking on the front splitter it right looks, underneath. It, it looks like an unfinished gap. I agree with that. It is. And then the materials chosen in there are not good, even though I know that's finished. Mm -hmm. And also the headlights are a little bit akin to the ND Miata. They're little. They're a little small for what the car is. I agree. They're a little bit squinty and a little bit fussy, and the shape is not as defined as I'd like it to be. I can see that. The rest of the I car is that. great. And then you look at the rear of the car, the taillights. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Incorporated into the rear ducktail there. Mm -hmm. Really, really well done. Now, from a three-quarter angle, front and rear, it looks very good. Now, the, the dead on The front's ruining not. me. Even the front three-quarter is ruined for me by the bottom feeder mouth. Mm -hmm. I actually really like the side profile, and I 
and I think I'm going to grow to love the rear because I think the rear looks like a... I feel like from the rear... I saw a lot of side-by-side shots today. I think from the rear is the place this car looks wonderfully more modern and better than the old. And I mm-hmm. liked the old. Mm-hmm. But seeing them side-by-side in the rear, I was like, suddenly that the, the Aston Vantage I have loved for a decade suddenly looks old. This new rear end looks fantastic. The front is really turning me off. Uh, the side works, though, for me. Side works. That front profile or just, you know, dead on is is a little bland for my eye. For a luxury high-end sports car, there need to be some more visual elements that really set it apart from just sports car. Hmm. And they haven't done that, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm liking still- it. I'm liking the rear arrow, the rear diffuser. I like all of that on the rear. There's visual interest. So I'm, I'm very much appreciating this. You know what else happens here? This means the prior ones are going to be even cheaper. <laughs> I still want one of those cars. I, I love that car. I, know I, I really do. think that, that the Aston Vantage we are leaving is going to be one of those timeless designs. I think oh, it's it going is. to be one of those the cars that in 20 so. years, 30 years is going to still look fantastic. Problem is the creaky old screens inside of those cars True. and the instrument yeah. panel. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. And and in this car, welcome to a modern interior. Of course, yeah. Which is actually quite good. I'm I'm thrilled they got away from some of the prior waterfall designs mm. on the center mm. stack on the IP. The seats look really good. Well, this looks this looks Mercedes influenced in it a does. big way in the interior. It does. That's not, not, not a crack. It just genuinely looks a lot like the Mercedes right now. The, the GTS, for example, looks a lot like this inside. Sure, sure. And I wonder if there's any switches or parts or something in there that we don't know about yet. But I'd be curious. But otherwise, beautiful car. Mm-hmm. Of course we want to drive it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad it's out. I'm glad they've done something. But the front is... Yeah, it's bland. It's I, not bland, detailed enough. I, I'm I'm gonna go with not bland. I'm gonna go with ugly. I'm gonna okay. go with bottom feeder fish. And, okay. And, and and I will also say I'm one of the rare people that I just flat out don't like the DB11. I don't think it's an attractive. Interesting. Car. Okay. I know that's a minority opinion, but I just I think the interior is great. I think it is an unattractive Grand Tour. Hmm. Yeah, this, I can see that. I like from every angle, but the bottom feeder fish front. And I think the interior is improved. I'm fascinated to see one up close, uh, but interesting. The rear is great on this car. I love that they dropped it in this Krypton green, hyper yellow, whatever you want to call this, <laughs> because, of course, I'm not a silver and, and white car guy. That brings us to the first question of the night, if you're okay. good to move on. Yeah, let's do it. Because there was a question. There were actually a couple of questions on Instagram direct, directly related to me and color. Yeah. One yeah. was WP Montgomery wrote it on IG and said, Todd, is the nuclear waste green on a car too much for even you? And I'm saying right now, no. <laughs> Depends on the car. Of course it's Depends not. on the car. But that crazy green that comes on the Lamborghini Huracan, brilliant. Brilliant. Love sure. it. The crazy green, the Krypton yellow green thing that comes on Lotuses, love it. I'm fine with it. The cr- Kermit but it, with a nuclear glow. But it has to, exactly, but it has to be a nu- nu- nuclear Kermit. That's the name of the color right there. That's perfect. I like that. <laughs> nuclear Kermit. Like it. We got to make shirts that are just that word and then the color. Uh, on the color. Yeah. Yeah. That word in, in block letters. I'm adding that to the t-shirt list. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, but no, I do love that color. It has to be on well-designed, well-shaped sports cars, but I'm fine with it. I actually saw that color today on a Civic. And I thought, and it's actually a factory color. And I thought, you know what? No, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm not. I'm not okay with it. There, the color says something about a car. It does, for sure. Very for sure. much so. You can't just paint a Lancer yellow and call it a day. True. Fair. Fair. It, fair. It does say something about. Related it. also to color, uh, we've got another one here. Uh, James wrote in also on IG and said, "Okay, 
He knows I doesn't like don't like silver cars. But he's asking, what about he white? Knows. Everybody knows you yeah, don't fair. like silver cars. Well, he's asking, what about white? I, I like white only a stutter step more than silver. Interesting, because I don't really like white cars at all. Mm-hmm. I just don't. It's well, body and white. By yeah. the way, it's the cheapest paint, everybody, because it has no pigment in it. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's for sure. it's for just sure. cheap and white, and it's just body and white. It's just mm-hmm. To me, it's a race car ready to be festooned with decals and livery it's, and it's, wraps yeah. and stuff. It's a car waiting to have a color on it. I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I, can, I can handle it just a little bit more than silver, but... It really depends. And here's the thing. The only time I really like white is when somebody pulls off the Stormtrooper look well. White with really yeah. good black accents. Then it can work for the me. The Lotus Evora does that pretty well. It the does do it okay. Yeah, does the 400 can well. do that all right. Storm, but Stormtrooper but again, I would, I would walk away from grays, silvers, or whites and get any other color if I could. So there's the two color references that tie the Aston into the rest of this madness. Boy, do we have questions. <laughs> Man. All right. Jumping ahead here. I'm talking about music now because Mark B. Oh, okay. has written in on Facebook and said, what is your favorite driving song or album? Really? Okay. Which could get really interesting, although I like so much music. Not a fan of country very much, but I like a lot. I mean, I like some EDM stuff. I'm a huge Jamiroquai fan. I'm, you know, I like, uh, gosh, all classic rock and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But when it comes to driving songs... Mm-hmm. You're in a mood where you're just kind of gazing out over the landscape and you're okay. you're pontificating, you're thinking about your life, you're just gazing off into your future while you're wow, driving you're, along. Wow, you're getting deep. Okay, keep going. So the music has to match that, in my opinion. All right. And there's a few on here that I've listed. First of all is, uh, well, it's Little Feet from their Representing the Mambo album. Wow, Back okay. in 1990... But it's two songs, Teenage Warrior or Daily Grind. Both of these songs do that for me. Interesting. Okay. I will also say anything from Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. Anything. I can see that. On a road trip. Yeah, I can see that. Done. And then my last song for that is Sheryl Crow, All I Want to Do. That is just road trip driving music Road trip anthem for you? I can see that. Pretty much. Okay, interesting. Pretty much. Uh, I am all over the map on this as well. Uh, Depends entirely on mood. Uh, oh, stuff, it does. I agree. Stuff as random as Blues Traveler. I have. A, I, I like a lot of Blues Traveler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but of course, U two you can't go wrong with. U two is some U two stuff Absolutely. now, like Joshua Tree album era. U2. See, that's what I'm talking about. That it's, stuff's it, really it's good. Just kind of yeah, yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. about life. You yeah, know? but I mean, there's some Rage Against the Machine on my driver mix there too, though. Really? There, there's some some heavy duty Rage Against the Machine <laughs> nice. stuff that I just I may be too white to listen to, but I listen to it anyway <laughs> because there I have no reason for rage in my life, but I'm listening to it anyway. So that's in there as well. And then of course we can go off into lighter stuff uh, uh, in the process, but that's the stuff that that strikes me originally. Oh, and also there's a few random tracks in there that I can only describe as. Uh, what would be described as pop rap from the late late eighties? Okay, Young Give MC. Me, okay, really? Young MC has got two fantastic tracks. Really? There, there's a track in Baby Driver, and I could not believe <laughs> they pulled it off. It's called Know How. It's a fantastic rap track with a real funk underneath it. And the minute it came on, I recognized the song, and I bet there were two of us in the theater that did. And I was one of them. And I mean like two of <laughs> us nationwide awesome. that knew like the first two chords Funny. of that song. Fantastic. It's, it's the track they use when they hop in the Challenger and hoon off in oh, a cloud yeah. of smoke. And I was like, perfect music <laughs> choice. There's my guilty pleasure track right there. It's an 
art to choosing the music for the scene. As of you course know, it is. Absolutely. There, there's a huge art and, and thought process to that. So there, I will say it goes into driving music as well. Mm-hmm. And I think driving music is a little bit separated from just, hey, just the stuff I want on in the background while I'm working oh, or yeah, daily yeah. music yeah, or whatever that is. Yeah. You know, whatever your your lists are on We've outed ourselves Pandora. now. There will be both people that will but, pile uh, on with, I love that stuff, people that will pile on with, you guys are even worse <laughs> and whiter than I thought you were. So there we go. We're My out name now. is Rob Bass, and I came to get down, maybe? No, stop. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I was a bass head in high school. Yeah, well, I, yeah, but is that really bass anymore? That's pretty. This is pretty light hip hop we're talking about. Well, yeah. that is. I was into some. <clears throat> yeah, yes, you were. Fair point. Tone Loke, Two Live Crew, Beastie Boys. You know all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, but still, even that stuff was just this side of mainstream. Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys was like. You know what Beastie Boys I dug was? Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys. Big album. <laughs> whose title I can't remember right now, but I can see the album cover. It was the back end of a plane. Beastie Boys' big album that broke them out. Yeah. With Brass Monkey and all that stuff. I'm off in the weeds now. That was like the 80s equivalent of Peter Frampton in the 70s. And in the 90s, it was Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> awesome. it, in oh the 70s, gosh. everybody... Oh my gosh, in, I can't believe the, you just said that. I'm ser- tell me I'm wrong. In the 70s, <laughs> no. everybody owned the Peter Frampton uh, album. In the 80s, everybody owned Beastie Boys. In the 90s, everybody owned the Hootie and the Blowfish album. License to Ill, there, there, thank, you. thank you. I can see the, I can see the album art. <laughs> Everybody owned the Beastie Boys album. Totally. Anyway, onward. You two, you can't go wrong with at any time, anywhere. Though I think. All right, so onward. What else is on here? What did you? What else? Did oh, you there's like? there's so many. Uh, let's see. Um, Got to go faster. There's so many questions. <laughs> Paulinus wrote in on Facebook: wildest, craziest project car ideas. Okay. One we've talked about. And one we haven't. One, the one we've talked about has almost been done, and that is the second-gen Prius with the Hellcat motor, yeah. rear-wheel drive. But, yeah. but the way I want it done is rear-wheel drive with the engine in the rear. Yeah, mid-engine kind of thing. Yeah, put behind thinking, the two front seats. Yeah. The engine's right back there. Yeah. Not tube chassis, just turned the Prius into that car. And, just, and, not, and, and the American Racing Headers guys, our friends that did that, it's awesome. But they went straight up drag car just to play with the joke. I want, I want the street car version that unless you look close, you don't know what it is. And it has the little eco sticker on the back and you're riding, running, rumbling along with your Hellcat mid-engine Prius <laughs> with a manual transmission <laughs> in the HOV lane because you've got an eco sticker. That's the crazy one. But the other I one... I know the second one you're going to say too. Do you? The yeah. other one that I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by right now, and our friend of the show, Nate, mentioned it to me. And it's gotten under my skin. Hmm. And I'm not a project car guy. But if I had random money to dump into a project car, because let's be honest, project cars are money pits. Oh, my gosh. But I want to do the LS motor in the FRS. Yeah, that would be cool. Because when it's done, it would be the lighter version of the VET. Yeah, it would. It would be a 28, 2,900-pound Corvette. And I, we all know that I like light, small cars. I already like that car. And I mean doing that like really, really well. Not, sure. not a hack job. Somebody that, Pay somebody. It would not be done by me. Pay somebody to do it really, really well. Not quite the Singer, 911 by Singer thing, but somewhere no, but, close but in to that, that you're but, saying. And I don't even know how much I'd do to the interior. Maybe a few things. But, You'd want to do but a few it would things. Mainly, but it would mainly seats, be about. Seats, probably. Upgrade seats. I don't know, those seats are great. They're fantastic I mean, stock seats. Put more power in there. Better brakes. It would, that, that's things. what I'm saying. It would be all that stuff. It, would be, it would be the power, sure. the brakes, all of that kind of stuff. There are kits to do this. Nate has talked about maybe wanting. Hey man, he's talked about maybe wanting to do this to his car. I may have to steal. I mean, I may have to borrow his car when he does this because if it were done really, really well, that's my crazy build. 
I like that. Although I'm going to say Porsche 928 with modern running gear. Oh, sure. Like the turbocharged V6s. Retrofit the Panamera running gear into a 928 and go hunting. That's, the, that's what I Whoa. want. I want modern Porsche running gear in a 928 because I love that shape yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the, the big ones, even the GTS, had something like close to 340 horsepower, mm-hmm, something like that, mm-hmm. which is... I've got that in my Cayman now. Sure, sure, so, sure. So, you know, let's let's upgrade everything, turbocharged, mm-hmm, you know, the whole deal, mm-hmm. great Porsche modern running gear in that thing. That would be the business. That I car. See it. I and see you're it. right, yeah. just just go hunting. All right, so Lucky Jerk on Instagram is asking, if Thanksgiving was a car, what would it be? And mm. I I've, I've thought about this for a little while now. Oh, you've got an answer. Okay. I do have an I'm answer. I'm excited to hear this. You could go many directions with yeah. this. First of all, it's Thanksgiving. Hey, mm-hmm. we're thankful just to own cars, just to be doing what we're doing. That's not bad. How about that's that? a good that's a good start. Let's start that's a good there. start. You could you could go into a lot of different things there. I've just been struck by what my answer is. You Sorry, have. go on. Keep okay. going. All right. So I have my answer and it is along the lines of generally what is Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. You're anticipating it for a long time. You're really looking forward to it. During the meal, it's awesome and then you overeat and later on you think what have i done mm-hmm. ow this mm-hmm. what i like I that do? i like that description by the way so this was my whole thinking okay I, I i agree with that thinking and therefore it is a dodge hellcat you're anticipating this for a long time not bad while you're driving it it's awesome and then you think what did i just do i like why that. do i have this car this is nutty and crazy i love leftovers it. are still good though yeah but still, I think it's a Hellcat. As as we're talking about it, that's really good. As we're talking about it, it has struck me. Because okay. when I think of Thanksgiving, I think of family. Sure, sure. And I think – so So you got to have a family hauler. That's where my brain okay. goes. So All I think right. of family. But then I think of what is Thanksgiving ultimately. It's just too much. It's too much of everything. It's too it's much. It's too much family. It's too much downtime. It's too much football. It's too much food. It's just, it's just too much. It's, it's overload, yeah. And you look back and you go, that was just too much. <laughs> Bentley Bentayga <laughs> okay, that's is up there. Thanksgiving in a, in a vehicle. It's just too much. It's, ju- it's just too much. It, it's a family vehicle yeah. and it is entirely too much. It costs too much. It looks too much. It's all, it's just too much. Stop. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. It does everything really well, but just but it just just so, just, so do so, other Somebody cars, put it in the garage, right? turn off the light, close the door. We're done. Stop. <laughs> Okay, so in keeping with this theme, I, um, I've also done some thinking about some other questions here. We've got a question, I think, over on uh, Facebook here. Where was that question? Oh, Kyle G. on Facebook is asking, your favorite car of each decade. And Kyle, we, you have asked this before. Oof. Thank you. I have thought about this. If you haven't thought about this yet, then We're that's take totally fine. We're going to take some time. I do have my list. Oh, though. do you? Okay, I, wow. I've, All right. I've thought about this, and I, I, I may throw down here. Gets you thinking... You can come back to this. I, I, I think that takes some time. I think that's a lead into the podcast, but I'm okay. happy for you to go. All right. So here we go. This is my favorite car of each decade starting in the 1960s. Starting with the 1965 Jaguar E-Type Series 1. That is a beautiful car, and oh, I know it is yours, it too. Is. That's oh your gosh. favorite. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That car is from the 60s. I mean, we could argue muscle cars, and we could argue the early Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. However... That car is probably one of the most well-designed and prettiest cars ever created. Mm, mm. So moving on to the 70s, I had the opportunity to sit in a 1973 Ferrari 365 GTB4 Daytona Spider. Ooh. 
the hard top Ooh. is what was the original car in Miami Vice. Yeah. This is the Spider. They're worth one point one million sure, these days. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. Long hood V twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so moving on to the eighties. Nineteen eighty eight Porsche nine fifty nine. Sure. I'm just, sure. Yeah. There's I'm finding them for sale. I'm looking in all the wrong places that I shouldn't, and I'm going, nine fifty nine. That was on my wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 90s, I was in love with the 94 Toyota Super Turbo. Yeah. When that yeah, thing yeah. came out, sequential turbos, my head just blew up. It's going, <laughs> you can do that? How this cool is, is that? Yeah, that's more great. power. All right, two more cars here is uh, in the 2000s. I've got to say the 2003 BMW M5. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Manual transmission, the 400 E39. horsepower. Yeah. Yeah, great yeah. V8 from BMW. Spectacular, yeah. Love that design. That's great. And then finally, the latest is the supercar from Porsche, 2015 Porsche 918 Spider. Okay. That's my uh, that's my current car. Okay. All right. I will have to revisit this at some point. I think you should. That's I think you should think about it. I have, I have a list for later on a different question. Okay. Uh, but there, man, there's so many good questions. Have you heard, I have to explain it if you haven't heard of it. Have you heard of, you, you know Goodwood. Have you heard of Radwood? I looked it up. And you I, saw this question? I, I love this question. This is great. Uh our friends at Driving While Awesome and Jalopnik and many others are involved in this, but I think it's the Driving While Awesome, While awesome guys mainly. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And uh, and so they're putting together it's it's Goodwood, which of course is a bring your really super classic car and wear clothes from the whenever it is thirties, forties, fifties. This is the eighties and nineties, and it's happening like two days from when this podcast drops. And I so wish we could be there. This is one of those moments when I wish cool. we still lived in L.A. Yeah. But anyway, so Radwood, which is a bring a car from the 80s or 90s and dress accordingly. <laughs> so there's a question on here. I have to find who asked the question. Uh, okay, here it is. It's Rich. Rich asked it on Facebook. If we were attending Radwood, what cars would we bring? And then he went further. He said, bring one car with unlimited budget and bring one car for under ten grand." Oh, oh, gosh. And I've solved this. Okay. For under ten grand, I would find the closest approximation to my terrible first car, nineteen eighty two Firebird, <laughs> which looks okay. like kit car but has the four cylinder. Okay. That would be the ten grand beater. They're probably in a junkyard somewhere. You could for find ten of them for bucks. ten grand. I could probably buy it as a lemons car and have a laugh. Sure. So there's that. That's the cheap. That'd one. That'd be a weird drive. That's the cheap one. But here's the money no object one. Hands down, I've got it solved. Jaguar XJ two twenty, and I'm done. Oh my gosh. That's oh my gosh. Nothing in my mind, nothing else comes close. Of a limited budget to bring a random 80s, 90s car, Jaguar XJ220, and I'm a rock star. Wow. That is actually excellent. I'm going to have to think this through a while because I was thinking Toyota Super Turbo. I was thinking NSX. That's been done. If you look on the website for Radwood, of course, Marty McFly's Toyota lifted truck mm-hmm. is on there. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I wow, Jaguar XJ220. I love that thing. That I is always like nuts. It. Yeah, to build that GT90 supercar from the 90s mm-hmm. or early late 90s, early 2000s that Ford was doing, they were kind of toying with bringing it back. And the the first chassis of the XJ220 was destroyed to build the supercar GT90 show car. That was just a show car. It was, yeah, yeah it's, it's it was brutal. a tragedy. It's one of the worst stories I've ever heard. Thanks Bad for choice. Me. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm always reminded. So there's one less of those cars, mm-hmm. but they are sweet. 
They are cool. I'm gonna have to think about that one and come back to it. That's that's some okay. good thoughts. It's a fun one. I, and and Redwood sounds like one of those things I would love to go to at some that point. That would actually be cool. Yeah. All right. Uh best design car emblem from Matt W on mm. Facebook. Now keep in mind this is not the favorite, and I, I am I'm actually coming to this from a design standpoint and looking at it from a long term, easily readable. It is gone through the decades oh, okay. and still looks fresh and clean and interesting. So you're looking okay. for if, if let me see if I can connect this cuz I want to make sure I'm in your headspace. You're looking for the Nike logo or the Coca-Cola of cars. Correct. Okay. That's a great way of putting okay. it. All right, keep going. But it's it's something that's an iconic thing. It's a badge. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not just little lettering and words. Sure, sure, sure. But it's instantly recognizable. Some Korean and some Japanese car makers, you could be hard pressed to now, wait, what is that? Sure. Okay. I'm with you. And it's got history behind it. It says a lot, but it still looks on fresh, modern, and futuristic designs. It looks relevant. Okay. I started with BMW and Mercedes. Yeah, I can And that's see because that. of the history. Yeah. And Mercedes, as you know, the, the land, sea, and air. So the three prongs kind of dictating, here's the mm-hmm. areas of manufacturing that we're in. BMW for the propellers, for the mm-hmm. planes that they Absolutely, made. So it was yeah. actually a prop. Yeah. But the one I've landed on is Volkswagen. Sure. Think about this. Sure. VW. It's an icon. It looks good on the old VW buses, and it looks good on the latest futuristic concepts backlit in the in the newest sure. Sure. You know, materials. Yeah. Okay. It stood the test of time. Okay. I'll see that. I I'll see that. really like this as an iconic brand logo, recognizable by everybody. Hmm. Mazda, okay. you'd be, okay, that's cool, but... What is it? And I can't recognize it without the and logo. It's like the, the, the 90s version of Mazda, late 90s, early 2000s, was a bunch of kind of circles to make the M, and that looked very different than it did right after yeah, that. That's and they true. Keep refining it. And, yeah, that's I true. See that. I mean, I see Chrysler that. went through a period. Everybody's mm-hmm. updated and refined and, you know, kind of modified things throughout the years. Mm-hmm. There's a few exceptions. Yeah. But yeah. Volkswagen, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. It's, we're done. That's it. We don't need any changes. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm going to leave that DW. alone. I think I think you've scored on that. I'm going to leave that alone. I, I mentioned our friend Nate earlier when I was talking about the FRS. Yeah. He asked a great question on Facebook. Thanks for writing in, man. He said, okay, if we were going to pick the resto, the new resto mod, the mm. new car to do like a Singer or an Icon oh, or the yeah. Eagle Speedster. So the Singer obviously is 911. The Eagle, they do the E-types. The Icon, they do the trucks. So if we could pick a car that we think is worthy of that mm. – what would it be? I thought of two. Really? Okay. And the first one might surprise you, but the thing I think is interesting about all the ones that are getting this treatment, and let's just call it the Singer treatment so we all know what we're talking about. Right. That's this the is very high-end Take the iconic body style. Take an iconic body. And, and it's true of the other ones, too. The Eagle Speedster and the Icon. Take an iconic body style. Make it the nicest, most modern version of that. Upgrade the materials. But essentially what you're doing is showcasing that great timeless design. Okay. Which leads me to both of these cars. All right. All right. Imagine the Singer version of the 1990s 300ZX, the Z32. That is a timeless design. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Those cars are stupid cheap. I understand that. But imagine if you took a ten or $12,000, like a really pristine Z32 from the mid-90s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you put a modern, let's take the engine out of the 370Z. Okay. Let's double, let's sure. twin turbo that guy. Let's do modern brakes, modern suspension. 
I actually love the interior design of that car. Let's take that interior design and make it all modern materials. Okay, all right. That's killer. It, it, it'll cost you sixty grand when you're out the door. Okay. I mean, singers do not. They're I know. nowhere near no, 60 grand. No, of course not. But I'm saying, but, but also singers, you're going to have trouble finding a 964 for less than 30 or 40 yeah, anyway. Right. The, the Z car you're buying is going to be 10. Right. You know, so that's what I'm thinking. The Z32 is one. The other one I'm thinking of is original NSX. I was kind of thinking of NSX as well. Modern power, modern brakes. Get that car. That car was less than 300 horsepower. Get that car to 350. 400 horsepower. Don't don't go nuts. Don't go 600. 350, 400 horsepower. Modern everything. Take that interior, which I also think is timeless. And actually, if you look at pictures of it and the, and the 300ZX next to each other, there's a lot of similarities in those interior designs of those mm-hmm, two cars. Mm-hmm. But take that interior, go all modern materials. That would be amazing. What about the Lotus Esprit? What do you think about that? I'm I'm talking from the late seventies, like a seventy-eight, the original wedge, the the spy who loved yes. me, James Bond subcar. Correct. What about that? Ooh, that could that Ooh. could work, could it not? Yeah, 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 yeah. With you know some really nice metal details on there. Sure. And, yeah. 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 Exactly. Not the not the V8 Esprit, not the later ones. But see, we're all landing on those that cars one. that you you know them in silhouette. You they are timeless right, designs. Right. Very simple shapes that are classic, and that's what's key of all of these, I feel like. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back after this. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real price on actual inventory. There's nothing worse than getting there and they go, well, we don't have that actual car you looked up. So a lot of times that's not the case, but with true car, it is the case. You can configure a car online, use a true car certified dealer. The pricing that you get is on actual inventory. There is a car that backs up that price. There are over 13,000 true car certified dealers nationwide. And true car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with these true car certified dealers. And plus, true car users save an average of over 3,000 off MSRP. Don't get me wrong. This is not true car says, we think the price is this. No, the true car certified dealer says this is the price for the car. True car is the conduit. So you want to work directly with true car, go to true car and find the car you want. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside. So I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. Oh, the questions. It's an all-question <laughs> podcast. excellent, by the and way. They're, they're, and we will still not cover even half of them. No kidding. There's so many great ones. Did you yeah, notice thank how, you guys. how few we covered the first half hour? I looked over at the clock, and I'm going, oh, yeah, my gosh, sure. we've got we to hurry up. So many good ones, so many great ones happening. Uh, let's see. We've got a quick one I wanted to mention very, very quickly because it's not car-related, but it gets asked a lot. Instagram, uh, Cohen and uh, ER zipperer. I wonder if ER zipperer is an ER doc, by the way, an ER surgeon. Oh. ER zipperer. Can we not talk about medical terms? Anyway, both of them asked the same kind of question. First off, uh, what non-car-related uh, hobbies do we have? And ER zipperer asked about mo- mountain biking. Well, obviously, we both mountain bike. Yes, yes. And so they asked what mountain bikes we have. I have a old, it's a Fuji mountain bike. It's a Fuji 2.0 from like 2012, 2013. I bought it used. 
Uh, it's got good Shimano parts on it. I'm off into the weeds of, of cars now. I mean, away from cars now. Um, but uh, it's got full suspension, and I love using it. It's kind of an all-mountain bike. I'm not a big downhiller. Um, I'm not a road biker. I love that. And then you've got a killer bike, too. Yeah, I've actually, I'm kind of a Cannondale fanboy over here. I've got uh, a, a quick CX that's just kind of a road bike, but my mountain bike is actually a Cannondale Habit all mountain bike with the lefty, the only crazy the lefty, lefty fork. front fork, yeah. which is not a fork. It's just a, I it's guess a, it's one chopstick yeah. front fork design, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's just an L shape. It's, it's essentially what it is. It's, not it's interesting because it's probably the strongest part on the bike. It's insane. They were going to get into motocross yeah. with that design and then backed off and just went, all right, it's just good enough for mountain bikes. This thing is it's incredible. severely over engineered. I mean, it takes I, a lot of abuse. I'm dreaming of a Santa Cruz. Uh, our friend Trenton that works at the Santa Cruz. Yeah, hey Trenton, how he are you? He came to uh, our Laguna meetup, which was great. I'm dreaming of a Santa Cruz bike, and then that I look at the awesome. price, and they look at my budget, and I go, "Hmm, okay, I'm going to come back to that." Uh, but I yeah. am, I am into the uh, the big fat tired bikes that you know some of them have suspension some don't but they're the huge fatty oversized the thing that's tires. happening now where it's go bike in the snow it's yeah. so cool it really I intrigues me and and you can see the drive that drive system is very slow these bikes yeah. are not designed for speed true they just kind of float over the top of terrain for sure yeah i think it'd be a boatload of fun i see that anyway all right so uh let's get back to the cars thing here I want to talk about Dale's question. Dale's is one of our co-drivers for the Lemons Race. Mm -hmm. He asked on Facebook a quantum leap question here. If you could drop in and drive any racing event in history as Ooh. a full participant, Ooh. think back to all the different kinds of races. Which race would you drive in? And he gives examples here. The Targa Florio from back in the day. Mm -hmm. Monaco rallies. Carrera Panamericanas. The Paris mm -hmm. to Dakar rallies. I mean... This is huge, Dale. It is. Excellent it is question. Cool. Yeah, it is good. I come to uh, racing with the greats, and I'm kind of thinking anything that Senna raced in to, you know, mm. I, of course, you'd be competing against him, but it'd be cool just to watch him and be next to him and watch him drive or I any of that. the old masters, the Fangios. Mm, okay. But I also think it'd be pretty cool to be in the Andretti era, the, the Mario Andretti era of any mm. of his races. Okay. He's the man. Yeah. He's yeah, still yeah. the man. He's pushing 80, and he's got all the ladies, and <laughs> everybody wants to be him. Everybody wants to take their photo with him, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. still taking passengers well over 160 on the track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. The guy's That's a crazy. rock star. So any of his Formula One career or the Long Beach, you know, the car mm -hmm. championships or any of the IndyCar stuff that he did – I'd love to be, yeah, kind of in somewhere in there with with the original Ooh. Andretti guy. Okay, I'm gonna go. That's good. I, I was thinking about it in terms of just cars. Okay, what crazy cars. Okay, good. and I'm assuming. Uh, look, here, you're talking about quantum leaps, Dale. I'm also going to assume that I'm dropping into this because I have the talent to be there. Okay, because <laughs> it, it does beg that assumption. Be, because yes. <laughs> because what I'm about to describe, I I barely have the talent to pull the car off the trailer. Okay, but I'm <laughs> okay. thinking about the '60s late uh, late '60s Le Mans era with the big long tail Porsches. Oh like the nine, my gosh, nine seventeens yeah. and, and those crazy Le Mans stuff where they're doing 230 down the back straight. It doesn't have kinks yet. The, oh my the, gosh. the crazy yeah. Herald Fire era of Le Mans that is the stuff that inspired Steve McQueen to try to make that film. 
Okay, so you've got original Ford GTs and the crazy V12 Ferraris and the big boy Porsches with the long tails. That's really good. That era of cars I would love to drive, and I'm even more aware of the fact that I can't begin to drive. So that's I have to go there. I love that. Although there is a car that I saw at the historic races a few years back. It's the vacuum cleaner car. Oh, yeah. The McLaren that sucks the car down to the track Uh with the snowmobile engines on. If you haven't seen this car, it's so crazy looking, but... I've always thought, man, what could you do? What would corners feel like in that thing? Because it just sucks. It, it, it's the op, it's the ex, actually it's the extreme end of downforce. If <laughs> yeah. I need to create downforce, what if I just create suction? And it's a brick. The back end is a brick. What if I just create suction and I suck the car to the road? And you know there was some very angry guy in the timing <laughs> booth flipping through the rule book the entire time that that car got on the totally. race for the first time, going, I cannot believe that car is out there and that it, there isn't a rule. They got that, around my rules. Seriously, how dare yeah. they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, what else is on here? Oh, so many. Let's see. Um, we've got – oh, Nick Alon asked a question that he uh, he says is actually a real question that he's actually facing. Okay. He asked this question on Facebook. No strings attached. You have the chance of living either a half hour from the ring or a half hour from Laguna Seca. Oh, this is a great question. Which do you choose and why? And he's saying he's facing – they're kind of facing this scenario, which who, is kind of who crazy. Who faces this? Yeah, exactly. Him. But 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 here's my answer. Here's my answer, Nick. Honestly, it depends on what your life looks like, and this is why I say that. I would prefer to be a half hour from the ring if we're talking tracks. Yeah. But the ring has nothing but just people living in small houses and driving the ring. Mm-hmm. Laguna, the fascinating thing about Laguna, Laguna I think may be the great exception for tracks of the world, and this is my point. Laguna is right in the middle of a gorgeous area. Amazing houses. Oh, yeah. Fantastic scenery. Big Sur is down the block, and it's a spectacular drive. We're showing this off in our TV episode. Right. It, it's one of the nicest areas, just real estate and restaurant and outdoor areas of California. It's also wickedly expensive. Right. But right. most tracks are like, like the ring, like go to the extreme area, Big Willow. Outside Los Angeles, most tracks are near nothing, True, and the infrastructure true. exists to serve the tracks. So if your life is beyond the track, the area around Laguna is a much nicer place to live. But if it's about what track do I want to hit all the time, the ring. Yeah, that's a good advice. I was initially thinking the ring as well. Just from an enthusiast standpoint alone, selfishly, I'd want to be there to see manufacturer For test sure. days Absolutely. and just the kinds of cars that are attracted to that area, especially the gas station alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a constant car show, mm-hmm. car mm-hmm. clubs. The stuff that you get to see there would would be incredible. I mean, the Saturday mornings fill in the car park every weekend. That reminds that me. That alone would be great. <laughs> reminds me, there were guys on our trip that the second day in, <laughs> they actually were admitting the fact that... I've actually seen so many Porsche GT3s now, I've stopped turning my head. That's how nuts it is. Exactly. Although Laguna has its own problems, or in a very good way, and that is the Monterey Historics. Yeah. And and the Monterey weekend, the third week in August, that place turns nuts. Yes. And a lot of rich people with a lot of really nice cars. So Laguna also has that, too. It's the highest dollar traffic jams in history is Monterey Car Week. The best part is you drive by, imagine the worst hotels you can think of. Mm -hmm. And and Motel 6s are excellent in comparison to some of these hotels. Sure, true. You'll see Panteras, you know, really (laughs) nice Porsches out front. They're making their year Lamborghinis. 
yeah. these are just parked out front of the worst hotels you can think of, and nobody cares. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's Car Week in Monterey. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm looking down here. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, ZFZ Mikey on Instagram. Okay. Asking us more three car garage questions Ooh. with a budget of 200 grand. Ooh. What's your ultimate three car garage? Hmm. I will say this is subject to change in about 10 minutes. When, and when, then 10 yeah. minutes after When's that. When's the podcast over? And oh, exactly. yes, we're changing so it again. I see that. We yeah. reserve the right to change this at any time, okay? But what came to mind lately, and this has to do with everything that I'm thinking about shopping for lately, okay. but it could change in another eight minutes. Anyway, so I saw this Starwood Motors Jeep Rubicon parked in the Delta Terminal of the Las Vegas airport as I was going through last week. <laughs> huge lifted, sure, you know, sure, sure, painted yeah. the color of a sand dune and just this huge knobby off-road. It's the SEMA truck is mm-hmm. what it is. Of course it is, yeah. I just went, ah, I would love to drive and bomb around in the snow in that thing. That would be hilarious good fun to me. So that's on the list for now. Okay. Okay. okay yeah. A late 80s 911 Carrera 3.2 for 50 grand is on that list, too. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. And then some sort of track-ready Cayman S or maybe a BMW M2 or something like that. But something track-ready and track-worthy. That's the third. So I see that. I something like that. gnarly and terrible. And, I like that. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. just ground pounding and crunching. And then, you know, my 90s Carrera. 911 Carrera. And then I like it. I like it. Track okay. car. Um, so do I that's going to change. Of course it will. Eight minutes. It's changed already. Do I need to answer this question as if I'm a single guy? Do I answer this question as, as, a, as a married family You man? choose. Okay. You I'll, choose. I'll, I'll give you the variations, okay? Okay. If it's my life as it currently exists, I would get my wife a Cayenne GTS. Uh, nice. I would get that, okay? Nice. nice Cayenne GTS. Let's say I'd get it used, of course. Let's say I spend 60-something grand, 60, 80 grand on that. Nice Cayenne GTS. There's the ultimate family car, okay? okay? So that's awesome. I love that. Uh, I would get something purely track madness, either either like a really nice, well-set-up Exige or a really nice, well-set-up something like an 818. Mm, nice. Yeah. So a car that I know is light and, and sorted for the track. I might just go Exige. Okay. That's sorted for the track and only needs to be the track car. And then a 1M. Nice. BMW 1M. Now, now take up the rest of your budget for a real nice one. Yeah. And now, if it's if we're talking about the Cayennes out of the equation, I'm shopping just a crazy car-obsessed single guy. I take the Cayenne out of the equation, and my all-purpose winter and do-everything car would be a used R8. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that would there. be the, oh, look, I need all-wheel drive today. I'll take the R8. I won't take the 1M. Oh, look, I'll drive the Exige later. How about like a $200,000 car and a couple of Matchbox cars? That's possible. Yeah, that, that would work. Yeah. Perfect. Why not? Yeah. All right. There was another question on here from A. McFarlane on Instagram asking, if you could make the automotive equivalent of Turducken, what cars would you use? Oh, that's terrible. Assume the end result works out just as well. This is terrible. Well, (laughs) just um, in case anybody is is not aware of what Turducken is, that is a Thanksgiving dish that somehow rose in popularity for some reason, and then I haven't heard of it for a while. It's a turkey stuffed inside a duck stuffed inside a chicken. 
It's the other way around. But yeah, it's chicken, then duck, then turkey. Okay. They're, they're working bigger. It's a lot of birds way. that ran at high speed at each other and exactly. created some sort it's of a, Thanksgiving dish. It's a horrific foul collision is what By it the is. way, yes. don't spill turducken juice on the back of your LR4 Land Rover because it'll never come out and you'll have to sell the car. Is this a, is this a life experience thing we're talking about? No, yeah. somebody I knew did. But, That's uh, terrible. Funny. Anyway, they, they were transporting turducken and the, the juice <laughs> sloshed. Transporting turducken car. is a terrible <laughs> sentence, by the way. <laughs> That's that terrible. A t-shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the best thing I can think of, and I say best because it's relatively speaking here, it was the car that we saw at Lemons. It was a Model T chassis, an original yes. early 1900s yes. Model T chassis with a monster current Ford Mustang V8, GT mm-hmm. V8 mm-hmm. in the front of it, yeah. all built to look like a caterham. That it's been is featured the on the only drive channel. Thing yeah. that I can think that's of. That's a that's a I didn't have an answer for this. That's a great this answer. This car has been out there. It's a really good answer. Lots of people have driven it, but mm-hmm. that is the automotive equivalent of Turducken. That well done. I didn't think I there was an answer for that. It. That's that's well done. But, I like that a lot. <laughs> good job. Good job. And I don't think it turned out just as well. Yeah. Fair though. Uh Kevin wrote in on on Facebook and said if you had to pick one car for a cross country road trip, what would it be? I Ooh. thought of two fantastic ones that if Ooh. you told me I was going to drive cross-country in either, I'd be like, let's do that. Okay. Hellcat Charger, not Challenger, Charger. Charger, the four-door, yeah. Or the Porsche Panamera. That's really good. That's really good. I like that. Because I'm thinking I'm thinking about you're mm. sawing across freeway miles. Yeah. you got to be comfy, big seats, comfortable, great amenities. Passing power. But ridiculous passing power for, oh, look, we're in Kansas. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> Before you can lift. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'd take a 911 Turbo. Done. Stick a fork in me and that, I, I'd call it Awesome. Done. It'd be a great GT car. I was just thinking about lots of people going with you, lots of luggage. But oh, I take sure. Your point. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get that. Panamera works too. Okay. What else on here? Uh, I have one from Andrew Patton. Interesting one here. He said, if we could make... The perfect homologation car from past cars we've owned, oh. what would it be? Now, we obviously are also assuming here again that this will work. Define perfect. This will work. But I actually thought of this. Okay. It almost sounds like the turducken question, but follow me anyway. <laughs> cars I've owned in the past, if it could all work, this is what it would be. It would be the 300ZX interior okay. inside the FRS body. With the Saab 92X turboed motor, and it would remain rear-wheel drive. Hmm. I want to go sketch right now. Yeah. I want to go draw that right now. Nuts. Nuts. Hmm. <laughs> and it's crazy to think that my uh, 92X Arrow had more power and torque than my uh, dedicated sports car FRS. But if I could make all that work and it actually did work, trust me, this is not a build I want to do. I'm just, I'm just, you know, this is just brain thinking here. Okay. I'm going to try my shot at this here. I'm going with uh, sort of the off-road capability of my first car. That was the 77 Jeep Grand Cherokee. (laughs) All right. Sort of this, you know, off-road capability. But imagine a Cayman with that capability. Mm, okay. okay. Making a rally Cayman. Got Making it. a All rally right. lifted yeah. with mud flaps yeah, yeah. and roof rack and the sure. whole deal. Sort of like the Rothmans 959 I get car. It. I get it. Yeah, but for only sure. with a Cayman. Yeah. With a monster V8 from the 928 in the back. Ooh. By the way, Porsche 928, that, that motor was put into a, a boat. It was an offshore racing boat, as a matter of fact. 
I don't know how long that how lived, successful but, it was. Yeah, um, fair. Anyway, so yeah, the V8 out of that, and then um, nothing from the two Honda Accords that I owned. Not the interior, <laughs> not the styling. Okay, nothing. Maybe the badge. We'll just stick that on for you know at the end of a flag, <laughs> something <laughs> the like that. End of a flag. That's nice. I like it. <laughs> okay, I'm looking for uh, other stuff on here. Oh. Greg S. is asking on Facebook, from a design and filmmaking perspective, okay. is there a reason that some cars look better on camera versus in person and the other way around, vice versa? Because movie chase scenes seem to always look way better with a Mustang as opposed to some black Audi. Well, this is something that I've learned from you, and that is the five to seven rule. And that's because so much of our photography is done at a low eye level. Mm-hmm. looking down sure. and it changes. We don't look at cars from way up high. You know, when you look down from an office building or the hotel you're staying at, and yeah. you look down at cars, yeah. they look very different. You're seeing the plan view of that. Sure. Or real low on the ground. Down at the lights. I yeah. mean, rarely are you sitting down or your, your eyes two or three feet above the pavement looking at a car and it mm-hmm. changes everything. So I would say, yeah, that the camera angle lying and we sure. like to make it lie for, sure, for yeah. that very reason is to get a different angle, make it look different. But then, you know, from the height you're at, that's how you see the world. Mm, yeah. That's how everybody sees For the sure. world. That's For what sure. the, the height we're used to looking at. And you think, oh, that's not the money shot. But then you bend yeah. down two or three feet and you go, well, that's different. And I like that. And that's yeah. why you should always bend down and get a low eye level to take photos of cars. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, kind of an unspoken rule that we're now, I'm now speaking it. Unspoken rule we have on the show is that we never do camera positions between about five and six feet high because that's the way every one of us walking around sees the world. That's the way adults view the world is at that height. So we get away from that height. We avoid it. We get above it. We get below it. We do love that. I would also say lighting, of course, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, lighting yep. is huge. I mean, you see a car in the middle of the day at noon, and the sun's right overhead, and there's a lot of glare, and it's not flattering, and there's that. But then the other part of it is, what are the lenses being used? It's a good one because a car, a car like an Audi, which has, if you if you, if you think about it. It has kind of block styling. There's no like big bulging fenders or a big roll in the hood generally on something like an Audi. Sure. Whereas sedans, yeah. on Mustangs, that's true. Those yeah. fenders punch out. The hood's got a weird bubble on it. These kind of things happen. You put a wide-angle lens to that, it accentuates it, and it gives it more character, if you will. Whereas if you put a long lens on it, it compresses the whole thing. This is me being goofy, but but this is me off into, into filmmaking world. So if you take a car that naturally has, if you will, hips, and you put a wide-angle lens on it, that has a feel that has more character than it would when you cast. I'm going using all kinds of film-related thinking here. But when you cast a car that just looks like a broadsided limo. <laughs> Casting cars. Yeah. Mm, that could be a show. It probably is. I'm sure Lossie's it is. probably working on it right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've got a question from George Rivera asking about why so many enthusiasts decide to tune out a class. Mm. We recommend not to do it, but sure. why do so many enthusiasts do it? Best answer I've got is that it's easy to, and you just sort of get sucked into it because mm-hmm. it's disposable income and it's less money to do it over time. Whereas yeah. when you buy a really expensive, nice car, that's this big chunk of money all up front all at once. Yeah. Whereas over the years, you're tuning and you just get... Mm-hmm kind of complacent and you want to do more stuff and income comes in and then out money goes out yeah. and over the years it just starts to get strung out yeah 
and you're you're just stringing the larger cost of a really expensive car out for sure over you are. many years. It's easy to get sucked into doing that, and I think people don't think about that. And you're reading the forums, and you and you read this thing where, oh, if I just did fill in the blank, then the car would feel more like fill in the blank. That that's <laughs> exactly. just. I mean, this is That'd every be a great Mad Libs book. This is every forum on the planet. I don't care what car we're talking about. Oh, you have to upgrade to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So that's why it starts happening. And and you eventually have put so much money in your car and not made it the performance uh, tighten that you hoped it would be. Mm-hmm, uh, that's that's sure. a sad thing. Generally, that just does not happen. Uh, I have a couple other questions I would like to cover. I don't know if I'll get to cover both of them, but I wanted to cover one that is my list question for the night. Oh, okay. You covered a list question. I wanted to cover Jeremiah's question from Twitter. All right. He said, Car and Driver just published a top 10 modern engines list. Oh, yeah. I saw this. So he said, okay. What are our top 10 modern handlers, hmm. cars that handle well? Okay. So I took the word modern and just thought nothing further back than 10 years. Fair enough. And then I think I got more than 10. I think I've got 11 or 12. <laughs> wow. But, but if I really think about cars in the last 10 years that if I, I were to say to you, drive this, it handles wonderfully. They handle different, but they handle wonderfully. Here's my list. Okay. The Cayman. Excellent. The Lotus Elise and the Evora. Oh, yes, yes. The BMW 1M. Good. The 86 chassis. <laughs> I'm five in already. There's a lot here. C7 Corvette. Fiesta ST, if you want to leave rear-wheel drive for a second. Fiesta Very ST is worth Very different feel, driving. but you're right. Evo 10. Yeah. Alpha Quadrifolio. Alpha Julia Quadrifolio. And surprisingly on that good. List. Yeah. The 991 with rear steering. Okay. Porsche 911 991 with rear steering. Okay. Is is revelatory. It's twelve. The <laughs> the current or the past, but the current Mazda MX five and the Nissan GTR. Twelve cars. Interesting. All of those cars I would define as having amazing handling, but they are not all the same. Could I add one? That's an excellent list, by the way. <laughs> Do you think the Honda S two thousand would make it onto that list too? Yes, the only reason I didn't put it on there is because I think it I think it gets other cars on that list are obviously more recent and kind of occupy well, the years, same you're right. kind of occupy the same space. Sure, 86 Twins, Miata. The 86 Twins, the Miata and the Lotus kind of all sure. cover the space that the S2000 lives in. That's true. But I agree with you. The S2000 was on my, like, maybe I should include this. I totally do agree with that. I mean, the that. tail end of that production run is just about 10 years old now. It's 09. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. So. For sure. It, it still counts. It would count for sure. Mm, interesting. That's a fantastic list. I love it. All right. Keep going with other questions. Uh, well, let's see. I only have one other one, uh, and I wanted to touch on it really quickly. Jordan is asking this question. He wants to get into autocross, maybe getting into tracking further. He has a current gen, so the Mark Seven GTI. And he's just flat out nervous. He's worried about what if I screw up my car? Mm-hmm. What about my warranty? What about that kind of stuff? The simple answer here, Jordan, is get track day insurance. Mm, yeah. It's out there. It's possible. I've heard uh, – we were talking about it this weekend after we were hanging out with people that, w- that did Laguna with us. I've heard of people that have spent somewhere – it's going to depend on your car and driving record. All these kind of things matter. But there are people that just do track insurance. It only works for the track day. But if you ball up your car on the track day, that's the whole reason that insurance exists. Because, And they can still make money, clearly, because obviously it's not likely you're going to do it. But if you do, your normal insurance probably won't cover it. Mm-hmm. Track day insurance can run like 150 bucks for the day. 
If that gives you peace of mind, that's not that expensive. Some folks will actually do track day insurance for your season. If you say, I'm going to do two track days a month for the following four months, they'll give you a package of that. That's the solve. Mm, like it. Well, I've got a couple left as well. First of all is the brake fluid question from Red Mustang here. He's asking, why don't people change their brake fluid more often and should they? Yes, you should. Two years is the recommended interval, and it is because that fluid is hygroscopic, meaning it absorbs water. Mm-hmm. So therefore, over time, guess what's happening? It gets worse. So yes, you should. Take care of your cars, folks. And then the last question for me is from John F. on Facebook. He's asked a while ago, but he thinks it's a good one. <laughs> Paul, what is Todd's worst driving behavior or habit? And oh, Todd, wow. what's Paul's? And then he wants us, of course, to throw Chance under the bus while Chance is listening. Hmm. John, I'm having trouble with this because over the years, over the course of the show, Todd and I have become very comfortable with each other's driving styles and driving habits, and we know. I mean, I wouldn't call it predictable, but it kind of is in a way that I know when you're doing high-performance driving, you're a solid driver. I can Mm. count on what you're going to be doing, and I know how you're going to do it and go about it, which is a very good thing. I appreciate that. I think that's fair, though. I think we're both that way. Yeah, I just, I'm having trouble thinking, all right, there's no annoying anything because like we've talked about before, by virtue of the show, both of us now drive with both hands on our steering Mm -hmm. wheels now, Mm -hmm. just by virtue of, hey, it offers more control and I want to be in control and, you know, sitting up, looking over our shoulders and kind of doing all those things. But I've forced myself to do it over the years. For sure. For sure. It has not happened overnight. And to be honest, I'm having trouble coming away with anything. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it is I, – I don't think of anything glaring instantly either, which makes me kind of think outside the box and I come up with one. Okay. All right. Okay? Curious. When Because here's the other thing that happens that people don't realize. There are plenty of journalists and hordes of race drivers that are better drivers than you and me. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay? So there's definitely those folks out there. Oh, yeah. However – you and I are really good at what I would describe as precision or or formation driving. Mm-hmm. Cars moving at very high speed, inches off the other's bumper. Yeah. We're very good at that because yeah. that's how good shots happen. But this is the only place I'm going to tweak at you, and we laugh about it, okay. but it's true. Okay. Paul has a habit when we are shooting <laughs> shots where we're looking at the front of the car. We He's fantastic at precision driving to get me the shots I need. But then just to make me laugh and shake my head, he likes to put the car so close to the camera vehicle that the shot is now unusable. And I literally, while sitting in the car, could reach my hand out, not even far, mind you, and touch the front bumper logo. Between 80 and 100 miles an hour. Yes. <laughs> and you do it just to see me shake my head and pull the camera out of the way because you've now gotten so close. You're too close for a good shot. That yeah. is the one I would call out. I do admit to doing that. And it's just to make you laugh. It is. For it nobody is. else. And it'll never get in the shot. Sometimes exactly. there have been a really close shot of the logo. That's not zoomed in, everybody. Yeah, that's, that is the logo <laughs> Like three inches off the lens, and now I have to rack focus to get it because it, it, that's the thing. When you get to, to an object that is so close, you now actually have to put the camera down because it's just too close. This is what we're talking about with high-speed moving cars. Yeah, I, I admit, but uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of things I do on camera just to make you laugh that will never make true. it into the final Absolutely cut. true. Absolutely true. Did you notice that everybody on the trip, the most recent meetup, said – 
how come you guys don't put the blooper reels and the, the outtakes and all the stuff in afterwards? And they've been asking for that. And I said, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'll tell you the number one reason we don't. <laughs> it's more editing. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the thing. It's more editing. I, I am lucky exactly. to get through the editing we have, but the blooper reels sometimes are funny. However, I will also say that we have a family show, and sometimes the blooper reels are not family-friendly. That's yeah. the other part of the problem, too. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions from you? An hour has flown There's by. There's tons of other questions, but I think we should stop there. And I, I loved, I actually really like doing these all question this podcasts. Is fun. They're really fun. Thank I you guys it. so much for submitting. Yep, agree. Looking forward to next time, guys. Hope you've had a great weekend worldwide. And we're looking forward to talking to you next time. Cheers. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.